passage in scripture about this idea of sharing our story. I think when we have this idea of sharing our story, we get really nervous. Like, oh man, I don't know if I should share that. But Jesus has always wanted us to be a people who share our stories. And I want to show you, there's a story of Jesus. He's uh, on a boat with his guys going from one side to another. He lands, he gets off the boat, and he's met with a guy. This guy is demon-possessed. He's literally possessed. He's got he, he's, he's all over the place. The Bible says that he was naked and he was extremely strong. He would break chains. Come on, you know, a naked guy that breaks chains. Come on, you stay away from those guys, right? Thank you for wearing clothes today. I appreciate that. It's the only requirement we have here. I don't even care what kind of clothes, as long as it's covered. Um, but he, he, this guy showed up. He showed up to Jesus just a wreck. And Jesus delivers this man and the next verse says that this man was sitting next to Jesus, clothed. So somehow he found some clothes. He got some clothes. And he was in his right mind. And that when people looked at him, they were absolutely amazed. How many know when you experience a change like that from Jesus, you want to go hang out with Jesus a lot more? So Jesus, wherever you go, I'm with you. Well, unfortunately, though, Jesus didn't have the same plan for this guy. His plan was not for him to go hang out with him. This was his plan. I want, I, want to, I want to throw the scripture up on the screen, and you can read along with me. It says, as Jesus was getting into the boat, so now Jesus is leaving, it says, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. I would. But Jesus didn't let him. Look what it says. Jesus says to him, what's those two words? Go home. Go home. Come on, how many know that's the one place you don't want to go? Because you know why? They all know you. Go home to your own people, and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. Now watch this. And how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away, and he began to tell in, the, in Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. amazed. So that's what today is. You've been hearing from me and Pastor Bubba for the past three weeks about this idea of change. You've heard about it. You've read about it. But now I want you to see it. Because when you hear other people's story of what God's done in them, there's something inside of us that gives us hope that if he can do it to them, he can do it to me. And I believe, just like this scripture, as these people share what God's done in them, I pray not only will you be amazed, I pray that God gets all the glory in all that he does. So at this time, um, I want to introduce our two couples, um, Jason and Chastity Bland, and Jonathan and Paige Wyrick. Would you give them a huge round of applause as they come on up and share their story? They are not nervous at all. At least Jason's not. Um, love you guys. Y'all are more than welcome. Grab a seat. Um, thank y'all for sharing, first off. Appreciate you guys and ladies being bold enough to, to do this. It's such an honor to have you. Uh, for those that don't know Jason and Chastity, y'all been coming to OSC for how long now? What's it been? Oh, here we go. Huh? <laughs> Put it up there. Let, let's hear. Probably since it was around the flood, right before that, we started coming yeah. So summer, summertime. Summertime. I ain't gonna start. Okay. <laughs> and then, and then Paige has been at OSC since she was 13 years old, and then Jonathan's been here since 2000 and 
nine, is that what you said? So about eight years now. So um, it's just incredible to hear. We'll hear a little bit more of the story of how each one of them got connected here. Um, but we're going to start with Jason and Chastity, a little bit of uh, sharing a little bit of their story. Uh, how long have y'all been married? Real quick. Let's, let's start there. Eight years. Okay. You can finally agree on eight years. Oh, you agree on eight years. We lost okay. track. All right. Um, let's start a little bit just with kind of just a brief synopsis of your upbringing and, and where you came from. Did you have a religious background? Did you not? What, what, what was home life like? I'll, I'll give that just a little brief for both of y'all, and then we'll kind of get a little bit more into your story. But give people a little bit of an idea of where you come from. Where are you from originally? I'm originally. Is it on? on? Hey, let me see. It's not on? All right, we'll get you. We'll get her on. There we go. No, it wasn't on. All right. My little synopsis is not that brief, but we'll try <laughs> to make it brief. Um, I was raised in a very uh, well-structured, non-denominational home. My uncle was a pastor, grew up knowing the power of God, Um, lived my life trusting the Lord, knowing the Bible. We were, we we had to read the word growing up. Um, Had my rebellious teens, got married, then became very religious. I find that even though I knew and I saw what God can do, it never became personal. Mm-hmm. So therefore, religion, so it was just basically doing the steps, doing what you've got to do. Um, got married, raised a family, and then there was a turning point in my life because uh, I started making very bad decisions, very bad decisions. I started becoming a person who no one recognized. Um, I had no conscience. Uh, if you can think about doing something wrong, more than likely I did it. Mm. Um, I had no care in the world. Come to find out I was diagnosed with Graves' disease, which causes psych- psychosis. Um, I lived with that for about three years. Imagine your life without thinking about God once. That was my life. Um, I was and yet put, you were raised. Yet I was raised, raised in church, in that, and I completely, my family turned their back. Everyone, I was alone. I was Job. I became homeless. I lost my family. I lost everything. Mm. I had nothing. Mm. Now, you were raised in Lake Arthur, right? Yes. So during this time, you know, live my life without even thinking about God, but luckily I have a praying family. And so... <laughs> I cried out to God one day and I said, God, I'll do anything, mm-hmm. anything, if you can help me out of this. Because I couldn't, I couldn't function. I couldn't think. Everything I did was wrong, no matter how I tried. But I left God out. And so finally I cried out to God. And I wish I could say that the story was great after that, but it wasn't. You know, I reached out to the Lord and I reached out to my family. I have a very wonderful praying aunt who just warfared for me. And um, during that time, you know, here I am, I ended up getting the treatment for my thyroid, which took a little while for that to kind of get normal. And I remember waking up one day and it's like, imagine you're, you're going through life in a fog. You have no control over anything in your life. And one day you wake up. And you look and you realize everything you've done and everything you've lost. You can't live with that. You're trying to seek the Lord and you're, you're going and you're praying. You're doing everything in your power because you know what to do. And you're just trusting God. 
And you're just going before the Lord, and you're just like, Lord, I just need you. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's like you've got a warfare going on. It's like you can feel the battle for you. You've got the enemy in your ear telling you no one cares about you. Go ahead and just kill yourself. No one's going to notice. And so every day you feel this tug of war for you. It's like you feel God and you feel the devil and you feel them warfaring for you, you know. And uh, luckily, you know, I ended up getting pregnant and I had Emma. And it was like the Lord, like I saw light. You know, and so her middle name is Grace because it's like I finally saw that there's grace. That God was giving me such grace. And so this was tough, you know, because I had so much shame. I had so much shame. I had to face people that I did bad things to. I had to look at people in the eye and I couldn't. Even when I get dressed in the morning... I, I, you know how you can get dressed and you look at yourself in the mirror? I never met eye contact with myself, ever. I never made eye contact with people because I thought that they would see how horrible of a person I was. Hmm. And so I was trying to serve the Lord. I was reading the Bible, but I was doing it all on my own. Everything. I did not go to church because the religious people were at church. <laughs> they judged you because I was very judgmental. Everything I judged, I faced. Everything never I said, I faced. Um, but they, I, I thought that they were judgmental in church. I was raised with the judgmental Christians. Yeah, you were They were part my of family. It. No offense, but they were my family. And so I knew, and I'm not saying, but like they had the power and they had the anointing, but there was always just doctrine. Mm-hmm. Where was the love? Mm-hmm. You know? So do you feel like because of your decisions that you made and the shame that you had, you couldn't come out and share a lot of that because I of didn't the share repercussion. It at all. I actually was in very much isolation. Yeah. I would leave my house and I would convince myself to turn around and go home. I would go to work when needed. I only did what needed to be done. I did nothing more. I would be in my word, but it was like I was constantly on a roller coaster because you know, I was trying to serve the Lord on my own mm-hmm, mm-hmm. with no one. Right. You know, I'd get in my word and, and I mean, and I encountered the Lord. I want you to, like, yeah. I, this was not just some, oh, she's just, no, 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 no. I had some powerful moments with the Lord, but I was still alone. Mm. So when does this man enter the world? <laughs> I was living in Lafayette, you know, because I did not, I couldn't face Lake Arthur. I couldn't face people. I couldn't face anything. Um, and then I met Jason, a patient. We were both working in the same hospital, and a patient set us up. <laughs> That's true. She had to convince me. To she go had to on convince it. you? Yes, I did not date. I was so afraid of making decisions because I'd made so many. I lived in fear, I was just paralyzed in life. Mm. I made no decisions. And so he had. He wooed you? His, the Hook, patient line, and sinker. <laughs> the, the what? Hook, line, and sinker. The what? Hook, line, and sinker. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> but in that, so, so you guys meet up. But, Jason, you've got your own kind of share of, oh, yeah. of baggage and struggles and, and um, 
stuff that you're walking through. So why don't so, you catch us up to your side on when you guys get together? So basically, I grew up in a um, Catholic home at the Catholic school growing up with the nuns and the priests and stuff. And um, had a great Italian-loving family. Still do today. And um, just over time, um, as I was growing up, I began to be, you know, I want to speak to the young people that's in the crowd. Um, I started being molested at about the age of eight, and it lasted about eight years. And it made me a very angry and mad person, kind of like Shane from the last um, mm-hmm. service. You know, I grew up fighting, um, which eventually led to drugs and alcohol after playing college football and living a professional life as a physical therapist assistant. And um, just throughout that time, you know, I was searching for something, didn't know what it was, thought that I had a relationship with God, and I really didn't. Um, came to meet my wife. Actually, I'll back up a little bit. Um, the Lord opened my eyes. Well, he tried to through other people. Uh, going through a divorce about um, so many years ago, I actually got in an accident in Lafayette on College Saloon. That was July 9, 2005. I was going through a divorce. Uh, didn't know nothing about God. Thought being the grass was green on the other side. Mm-hmm. And uh, come to find out after a year of suffering with you know, pain and suffering, I ended up losing my leg, um, amputation, and my whole body's been banged, battered, and bruised. But um, I considered a huge, huge blessing because of where he's taken me to. And actually, God answers prayers on his timing. And I prayed. I said, Lord, I said, send me a black woman, Creole woman, something black about her, but make sure she knows the Lord. And she'll tell you this. And I prayed that, and I love to laugh. And uh, I said, but make sure she knows you because I need some help. And um, sure enough, I met, I saw her in the hospital, and I was like, whoa. I said, you want to go to church with me? Like I was something, you know. (laughs) And we got in there, and she started singing all these songs. And I was like, how do you know them? She's like, well, I grew up a Christian. And I said, oh, wait. (laughs) God ain't answering my prayers. Mm. And he did. And, I mean, he gave me my wife as a blessing, as a gift to help me through this life of 10 years of methamphetamine addiction and just, you know, every drug that you can possibly imagine. Yeah. But I had to reach out for help. I had to be taught how to go through this. But it was through the power of the Holy Spirit in learning about what grace is. Yeah. Do you remember the moment that you had kind of a... Because you, you got in the accident and your addiction changed to other things, right? Correct, it did. And it, so that still so, kind of continued for a while. Right. So I, the only thing I remember from my accident, because I had a frontal lobe injury was laying underneath my vehicle in a puddle of water face down. And I heard the words, and my head got lifted out the water, and it said, I got more plans for you. Well, I didn't know what that meant until later on in life. Yeah. And, um, yes, my, although the hardcore drugs stopped, the drinking doubled in size. I was replacing all the hurt from uh, being angry as a young boy, uh, fighting and everything, getting a divorce, missing my kids, to now... You know, just being channeled in a different way. Yeah. What, 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 what was the point for you where you said, 
something's got to change. And you kind of had a moment with Jesus. What was that? What was that like? Chastity and I were dating uh, for about a year. And see, she come from a Christian background. I was Kanai. So I thought I'd, I, I was trying to hide the bottle, you know, and she would actually. Was marking she it. was marking it. She was marking it. Drug testing me on the side of the bed. I did and drug stuff, test him, like, just so you know. So, and it, yeah, she did. And he had no idea. Yeah, but I, it came a point to where we were dating, right, and 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 living together outside of marriage. Something that we both made a mistake because we were both from broken backgrounds. And there came a point to where I was about to lose her in another possible family, and it was time for me to get help. So I reached out to a company I was working for. And, and they said, we're going to help you get help. And that's exactly what helped. You know, that's what happened. Then I went to treatment. But when I came back, there was something different because I couldn't manipulate nobody no more. I couldn't pull a wool over people's eyes. Mama, daddy, chastity, um, the family and stuff like that. Yeah. So long I manipulated. I had no accountability. Yeah. So I started searching for God, and I worked many programs because I wanted it bad. I, wanted, I worked AA, NA, and Celebrate Recovery, which was the most powerful program. Mm-hmm. You know, and during this time, though, you know, because I had such a strong background in knowing the word, you know, it was sometimes it was not at his benefit for I used it against him. Mm-hmm. And so here he is struggling, already has his own issues. I've got my baggage. He got his baggage. We both had U-Hauls when we got married. <laughs> and so, um, you know, it, it was a struggle. We both really just tried, just trying to blend. I'm still battling depression. He, you know, just because you're an addict and you, get, you stop doing drugs, you be, you're still very selfish, you know? So I didn't want to give him his way because he's being, he's just selfish, and so he could never see me. It was always about him. I didn't have anybody to lean on. So here I am. It's like, I'm like, okay, Lord, you know, now I don't, ha- I don't have anybody to lean on. When, when are you going to give me a break here? You know, and um, he doesn't even know this, but I was having a Bible study at my house and I had really like, I was ready to divorce him. I was done. And I, I was like, in my mind, my mind was set. And I kept telling the Lord, Lord, I made another mistake. How can I keep making these mistakes? And they had this girl who I love and adore who hears from the Lord so clearly. And after the Bible study, she, everyone left and she stayed and she looked me in the eye and she said, the Lord says it's not a mistake. Mm. No one knew that I was saying this. So I said, okay, Lord, (laughs) but you've got to change him. (laughs) The whole time I was changing him. Mm. And so the Lord told me, you know, he says, you're not his Holy Spirit. And so I had to uh, stop being the one. It's like I had my hand in everything because I was afraid to not get, get my hand out of it. And so I was, when we do that, we stop God's hand. Yeah. God's hand cannot move when our hand is involved. And so it wasn't until I removed mine that I started to see the change. But then I started realizing that, you know what, Lord, it's, I am seeking you to change me. And I needed him to change me because here I am 10 years in after everything I had done wrong, still battling with major depression. Yeah. I mean, serving Christ depressed and 
shamed. I'm still going to church. No one knows me because I never looked at anybody in the eye. This is still shame of me. I did not encounter people. He did, but I hid and I hid very well, mm-hmm. you know, and I seek the Lord every year for one word. Mm-hmm. And that year, my wrote, my word was root. And I fasted more that year than I had any other time in my life. And I'm seeking the Lord and seeking the Lord and I'm letting God deal with Jason. And then all of a sudden, you know, I, I had a, I started this fast and at the end of the 40 day fast, I ended up, it was an encounter. Hmm. God set it up that way. I did it. And, you know, I encountered the Lord there. And during my encounter with the Lord, the Lord looked and I'm like, in the middle and I don't go around. Remember, I'm ashamed. I don't look at people. And here I am in the middle of a room full of people, all eyes on me. And I am encountering the Lord and the Lord says, you're too uptight. And in that moment, I was delivered of shame and depression. Mm. And I've not felt it since. It's like this heaviness. And I started to let people in. Mm. Before I never let people in. And that's when my healing came is because I was letting people in and I wasn't keeping people out because people were seeing me or they, they were seeing the new me, the new, mm-hmm. but I didn't want them to see the old me. I right. was in a new area. I was, I was good. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I, in the Lord brought, he brings strategically, strategically places people in our lives. That's right. They're not by accident. And they cultivated my, they cultivated me. And so I'm growing, knowing my identity in Christ. I know my identity. I know what Christ did for me. I do not doubt that one bit. Mm. I walk today, not ashamed. I am free. Don't think I'm not. I don't have my moments. My only battle I can honestly say is I still don't want to give him the full reins. Because I have to, he's our, he's our head. Yeah. And I think that was it is, still is the hardest part. Even this week, I still battled like, ooh, Lord, I don't trust his decision. You ain't got to tell him all that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now we're dealing with present. This is testimony. Yeah, this is like far stuff. Like, yeah, yeah. exactly. Now, um, now, I know one of the things that we talked about was one of the ways that God was going to truly make sure that you were set free from shame was to send you back home. It's kind of like the story that I just read, in a sense, yes. of God was saying, okay, because you were in Lafayette when all this was going down, so God was changing you. I'm God, good. Yeah, you're good. God, God was delivering Jason. I mean, you guys were in a much better place, and now God's going, okay, time to yeah, go so, home. So one of the things, I mean, whenever uh, my father-in-law passed away on May 25th, uh, 2014, um, my wife came to me, and she's like, you know, the, the Lord's speaking to me to go back home to Lake Arthur. And I just totally objected. I am not going to Lake Arthur. You know, I did not want to go back. You either. know, I said, <laughs> you know, it's come on. Got any Lake Arthur people? How in many the people house? from Lake Arthur? <laughs> right. Amen. Don't so, be offended. Don't be yeah. Offended. I mean, so we get so comfortable in our walk and with the ministry of Trinity Outdoors and, and being able to bless so many people. And I just was finding my identity through the ministry. Mm-hmm. Something you ain't never heard, huh? Boy, coming clean on, on the altar or whatever. <laughs> so anyway, um, <laughs> I said I wasn't going to Lake Arthur. 
But I was so comfortable where I was at. And what I didn't realize excuse me, was that God was taking me out of my comfort zone. The Holy Spirit said, if we're going to change, we're going to change a lot of things. And through that process, because I swore she could leave me again. And I well, was, I mean, not leave I me again. She never left me the first time, but I was like, she can go. I'm not going. You can go without me. And I'm like, well, I'm going. You know, <laughs> um, and little by little over the last, well, since we moved here last January, my purpose is, is known in my own gift that he's given me um, by being able to bless other people. But number one, be a, a man of God to my family, that my wife, you know, one of the things she always told me because you become so consumed in yourself, you know, as a man, well, she, what's going to make her more attracted to me? And I can never forget her answering that question. She says, I want a husband who's a man of God. Mm. And I can sit up here today and say, and there's nothing, nothing boastful about it um, or prideful about it, but I feel like I am, you know, it's a growth in process. You know, sure. it's not, oh, I got it made, you know. And Well, while he's over here with his own battles, I really didn't want to move back. Yeah. You know, because it was like I knew my identity, but now I had to face people that who knew me as that knew before. The, that knew the old chest. Yeah, that knew the old me. And I was like, you know, and not only that, but that year, in 2014, the Lord, I didn't seek the Lord for my word that year. He gave it to me in November. And, he, and I heard him say, he says, your word for next year is change. So I was all excited. You can even go back and look on my Facebook post for the January 1st. <laughs> I, looked, I wrote all the definitions for change. Well, I didn't know the change he was talking about. <laughs> it's a little different than what it's you thought it was. a little bit different than what I thought. So I, on May 23rd, my life changed. Mm. My dad passed away. Mm. And everything changed. Your life's going one way, and it's like, all of a sudden, it's like, nope, stop. You're going another way. Yeah. Whether you like it or not, your life just changed. Everything in it is like, no, you're empty. And you're like, Lord, and I stopped praying. And I said, Lord, what do you want me to pray for? Because you're going to do exactly what you want to do anyway. So what do you need me for? Hmm. You know, I talked to the Lord That's that way. That's an honest prayer. It is. Yeah. We talk like we're, he's right there. I talk to God like he's yeah. sitting like you do. You know, there is no thing. He just knows my heart. And so I just stopped praying. And then, you know, all of a sudden, because now I had to face shame again. And I had to, I had, was going through my identity and I, I, I was losing my identity. Hmm. You know, I was around people who helped cultivate me and now I was like I was losing everything I lost my dad I lost my comfort I was just losing and I felt like what am I gonna do you know but then I, I started coming to OSC that was a quick change <laughs> well, I don't want to have wrong time one thing that one thing that we have noticed you know and, and, and it's not about the building or the, mm. the place that you go to is that you know there's a meaning behind when they say we're a family because when you truly genuine have genuine love from your pastors from your family that's among you 
they can accept you for, to go through the shame or going, you know, being a fighter and being molested or making the mistakes that we both made in life, but also bringing the grace and the love between a married couple after that, you want to share that with people. Yeah. People you know? help you bring healing. Yeah. You know, God, God's there for you, but it's like you need people. Yeah. You do. And you need like-minded people, mm. not just anyone. You want to find people who have something that you don't, even no matter where we're at in our walk with God. You want to find someone who has something, hey, I want what they have. Yeah. How would you guys say being a part of a spiritual family now has changed your family, your life? Your, what's been the biggest change you've seen just being a part of that? I mean, everybody knows. I mean, I, I love blessing disabled people, kids who don't have any daddy, adults, veterans, you know, with the ministry. But what it's doing is being a part of this family, not just over here. It's, it's, it's almost like I, I see it's infectious because from the Bible study that we started on Tuesday nights, we went from five or six people. Now we'd like to 13, 14 people, although we are feeding people, too. <laughs> Good food on Tuesdays at 630 in Lake Arthur. That's a plug. huh? That's a plug. I know. That's but, right. man, I mean, plug you know, it. I see my personal opinion is the gift that he's given me and the reason that he sent me here for. Yeah. I'm an evangelist. Yeah. Love's truck stop ain't got a. Ain't got a clue if they let me out front. I don't mind sharing the word with people, what I've been through, because there's not a testimony without a test. Come on. Come on. That's so good. So good. You want to say anything to close it out? You know, I know, Pastor Josh, you asked me if there was anything that, you know, if I could just, I really want to get across. And that is, you know, we have to seek God with everything. I can't tell you how many nights that I would just shut myself off from the world and go before God and say, Lord, I'm not leaving here until something changes in me. And then it, and I didn't get healed until I sought people who sought God mm-hmm. with everything that they had. Mm-hmm. And we cannot, we cannot get a change result if we continue down the same path. For so many years, I blocked people out of my life because I was ashamed. Yeah. And I allowed the enemy to just torture yeah. my mind. But I'm very grateful that, 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 that God loved me more. Mm. Mm. And he allowed, and he's like, and he just kept just invading my life. And I let him invade my life. It's awesome. And one of the things I, I want to close with is that you're not looking at couples up here who, who haven't made. Mm-mm. We've got our own struggles, just like anybody else. But one thing that we do pull through with is with the love and the grace of God, no matter what. We don't go to bad med. Well, she went to bad, bed mad the other night, but no, I'm just joking. <laughs> the drugs and alcohol robbed me of so much joy. Come on. That's why I laugh and I joke around today. Amen. That's awesome. Let's give it up for Jessity. But really, I wanted to say one more thing. You know, even as women, I really, because I really want to get this point across. What I also had to learn with Jason was I served the Lord through my personality. And I let him serve the Lord through his personality because they're completely different. And sometimes as women, we want to have a little bit of control of that. And we end up... You know, putting the fire out of our husbands because we feel like that we want them to serve God in a certain way, and mm. that's just that's that's just an error on yeah. our part. Yeah. 
<laughs> All right, Paige and Jonathan, um, why don't you just share just real quick, um, Paige, just, just share a little bit of just kind of your upbringing real quick and how, just how you got connected here, because I think that's just such an incredible story. Okay, um, well, my parents were teenagers, I'm going to try to... No, it's fine, yeah. My parents were teenagers whenever they um, had me, and they never married, and so um, my mom and I lived with her parents, and my grandparents really helped raise me, but... Um, my grandfather was an alcoholic, and so it just runs in my family, that, that spirit, uh, the generational curse. So my mom really dealt with alcohol most of my life, um, all throughout high school, part into college. Like, she was just, it was bad. I raised myself in a lot of ways. I'd get home, and the stove would be on, glass would be broken, just like I had to clean up after her. But thankfully, this past December, we celebrated 10 years of her being redeemed in Christ, and she is just a different person. Um, but going back to that time, um, it was really hard. Uh, I just was alone, raising myself in a lot of ways. So anyway, um, got invited to a youth group, playing here. volleyball here, <laughs> and um, never left. I found a family <laughs> that, uh, uh, it was a safe place for me. This became my family whenever I didn't have the physical family that I was you know, born into. I had a family here. So that's how I ended up here. Yeah, yeah. Paige is a is m- one of my spiritual daughters. She she was 13 when she came, and um, Lindsay and I took her in and really um, just spent a lot of time with her. And so as a as a daddy, because I don't have girls, so so as a daddy, I was overly protective of her. So uh, which enters the picture of Jonathan. <laughs> But uh, Jonathan, just give just a quick story because you weren't really raised in church. Um, your grandfather ended up being the one that really right. led you to the Lord at yeah. ten, right? Right, right. Yeah, and so um, just just a little bit of what that upbringing was like. I mean, okay. what were the challenges that you had? Yeah, uh, my mom and my dad they accepted Christ before I was born, but they never really talked about it. So we never went to church or anything. So just I never really had any uh, guidance as far as Christianity until I started having uh, friends in school that would invite me to go to, to church with them and, and just being diligent to invite me and I would attend. And so that was for about age 7, 10. I would start going and that would be my introduction to Christianity. The cool thing I love about your story is you both really had parents that weren't actively engaged in church and yet here you guys sit loving Jesus, having an incredible family, which just shows, by the way, that God takes care of your children. Just to let you know. Um, and then you guys got connected because your friend, Scott, who's one of our guys here at the church, was, got connected here. Y'all were best friends as, as, as uh, kids. And then he invited you, and you came for the first time. And um, that was it, huh? I mean. Oh, yeah. When I, when I walked in the doors, I mean, I just felt God really grabbing a hold of me. Because at that time, I was looking for a church home. I, I didn't have a place to call home. And and you were driving from Lake Charles. Yeah, I was in Lake Charles at the time. So, uh, so I every- came in, and I just felt like God just grabbing a hold of me. Now, what you also didn't know is that um, he was also setting you up with a date. Right. Trying to. Right? <laughs> right. <laughs> so he, uh, he introduced you and Paige. Um, and you had, tell him about the two strikes just real quick. Tell him about that. I got to hear it. We got to hear it. They got to know the background. Know I, uh, <laughs> um, in high school, I decided that I wasn't going to date around, that I wanted to save myself for the guy that God had for me. 
So Scott didn't really know that about me. So like whenever he was trying to set us up, you know, I wasn't just going to go out with some guy I didn't know. Yep. But she didn't know I'd been praying for her for years to meet her. And that whenever you pray for something so specific and then something like that comes in front of you, you're like, wow, I got to, I got to get to know that girl. And, (laughs) And so within two weeks I was inviting her to go drink coffee, but I don't drink coffee. (laughs) <laughs> and that was strike one turned them down yeah and then a couple weeks later she had posted on facebook that she wanted to go see a movie does anybody want to go see a movie like out to her friends but i asked her i said do i count as anybody <laughs> and that was strike two <laughs> so i told him i said next before you strike out you need to talk to pastor josh and i did yes he did <laughs> And I blessed you, and you were good to go. And so we had to pursue her, man, get her. And, uh, and within so, 11 months, we were married. And within 11 months, they were married. And now you guys have uh, two kids, and it's phenomenal. Um, but the, the big part of the story, really, is that there were some things that was going on the inside of you, Jonathan, that was hidden for 20-plus years that, that no one knew about, that was undercover. Why don't you just share a little bit of what that was and then um, where that began and kind of that process. I had an addiction to pornography since I was nine. A um, childhood friend introduced me to it. I, had, I wasn't looking for it. I didn't know it existed. And it just it opened a door for Satan to grab a hold of getting me addicted. It wasn't immediate. It took a year or two before addiction really set in, just whenever it was more readily available and accessible, but um, it began a, a war. Yeah. At what point did you start having this decision that uh, this is bad, this is, this is an addiction, this, this is a real struggle that's going on? What point did that kind of... Well, I accepted Christ around age 10 or so, and so within a year or two of that, I really started to feel the conviction of this is not, this is not right. And, and when it started to become evident that's addiction is that when you try to give it up and you can't, it's like your brain is telling you, you have to have this. It's like a drug. And the only way to satisfy that drug is to mm-hmm. do this. And it, it didn't matter how often or I would try to get rid of it, try to make it go away. I'd ask God, like, God, take this away from me. Your word says you could take this away from me. I see other people getting freed of this. Um, why can't I? Why can't it go away? Yeah, and you, you had told me when we were talking about how in college, you would actually start counting days. Yeah. Talk about that. So, like, whenever drug addicts or alcoholics are sober or, or clean, uh, you know, they talk about, you know, I've been clean for two months or ten years or, or whatever. I would count the days. And, you know, it would be 30 days, 50 days, whatever. And one time I got to 154 days. And then I, I, I failed. And I remember losing hope thinking I'm never going to get over this. And I remember the lie that I was believing that, okay, well, I'll get past this once I get married. You know, once I'm married, I won't need this anymore. Um, but that was just a lie. Yeah. So you got married, and you and Paige are into your marriage, and now everything's good for a little bit. You had a little season of everything's right, but then it rears its head back again. Right, and then so, the, the lie is, is revealed in that marriage does not fix this. You know, it takes more than willpower. It takes more than just being married. 
I mean, this is, this is deeper. I, I needed something more than, than myself to fix what is broken in me. Now, in this, though, you're in church. Right. You love God. Serving, serving all the time. Yeah. yeah. You're here on the dream team. I mean, you're in life groups. I mean, it's not like you're not doing all the external things. You know, it's not like you're running from the Lord. I mean, you're loving God, and yet there's a secret part of So what, now that you're married and you're struggling and you're going to church and you know this isn't right, what, what's, what's the lies now? What are the, what's the things that you're feeling now in that process? I'm just, uh, I'm reaching a point that I feel like I'm never going to get over this and that can I trust God, you know? Why, why would I keep you dealing with this if, if God can heal me of this? I, I can't trust anymore. I'm starting to lose hope. I mean, to, about anything. I mean, I just start spiraling downwards in, in all areas of life. I just start feeling like I'm just giving up. Like I'm, I can't get over this. I'm just so broken. Now, there was a moment where you did come clean with Paige Correct, yeah. once about it. Right. Once you share, what, what brought you to that point to share that? And then what was that like for you, Paige? Whenever, you know, the, I realized the lie that after marriage it would be better. And then I start falling into it again. And I'm convicted for it. You know, I, I go to PJ, and I don't even tell you to what extent that I'm struggling with it, but I say, man, you know, I, you know, I fell here, you know, I, I don't feel right about it, and what do I need to do? And so, you know, I came clean to you, and then you had me come clean to Paige. And so even whenever I revealed the issue to Paige, I, I wasn't even fully honest because I was so ashamed. You know, there's so much guilt and shame associated with it because nobody ever talks about it. And... You feel like, okay, so drugs, drug addiction is something, and alcohol addiction is someone, something, but no one ever talks about this, and so I'm the only one dealing with this, and, and so, you know, people would just look at me funny, so I, just, I don't want them to know that I'm struggling with this, you know? Even more so, I didn't want that shame to now become pain for her, but I knew that I had to, to share this struggle, mm-hmm. you know? And Paige, what was that the first time you kind of... Mm-hmm. Um, it was tough, but I forgave him pretty easily. Uh, I mean, that night we really just talked about it and I, I kind of left it in his court. Like, okay, well, if you stay accountable with pastor Josh and you deal with it, you know, that's fine. And he had told me that I could check in on him if I ever wanted to question him, which I did a few times. I thought about it more than I actually, I didn't want him to think I didn't trust him. Um, so I, you know, would ask him every once in a while how he was doing, but um, I didn't feel like I could go and share his sin with anyone else, so I didn't talk to anybody about it. I just kept it to myself. Um, so that was hard, too. But then, you know, one of the times, like, I, or over the next few years, like, he was always fine. He always said he was good. Um, but, mm-hmm. I mean, but. Eventually, I was not good, and I was too ashamed to tell her. So what, to tell anyone. What, um, I mean, and this is even up to, I mean, for everybody, this is even up to last year. And so what's the turning point? When, when does things start either it's going to just, this is going to be me or I'm going to see that. What, what was that yeah, so for you? 2016 ended up being my darkest year. I just continued to spiral downward. And about midsummer, I remember getting to a point where I felt this is only going to end in two ways. I'm either going to completely collapse, I'm going to crash, or God's going to reveal himself.
and redeem me. And as I went, I just was basically waiting for one or the other. I didn't know where it was going to end. And so towards the end of last year, there was a live group that got started by you and Lindsay, and um, we were invited into it. And I, I mean, throughout 2016, I, I was reaching a point I didn't even want to go to church. Um, I didn't want to attend anything extracurricular for spiritually related things. And when y'all invited us to join this life group, uh, I wasn't that interested. Um, Paige is the one that really kind of talked us into doing it. And uh, when I heard there was homework, I was pretty mad about it. (laughs) But I was still willing to do it because I trust you. And there's been times in the past you really ministered to me and I was willing to give that chance. But even still, whenever we started the life group, um, it's called Freedom, by the way, uh, I, I wasn't taking it seriously. Um, still kind of mad there's homework. But, <laughs> you know, I remember I barely did the homework on week one and on week two I didn't even touch it. And it wasn't that I was trying to be, like, defiant or anything. It's just I was just in such a bad place that I just uh, I didn't have a whole lot of hope. And I remember something after that second week, you know, God really just kind of tugging on me and saying, come on, give us a chance. Mm-hmm. And That week, he really started to minister to me. He started to reveal, reveal himself to me. And it wasn't about the addiction. It was drawing me to him. Just drawing me back to a relationship with him. And over the next couple of weeks, he really started to reveal, <clears throat> reveal to me through the Holy Spirit and just incidents in my life that were really causing the blockage between being able to connect with God and where I started to lose my trust in Him. And it wasn't just about the addiction. It was about things outside of that. But He started revealing all these things, and He's, and he's just telling me, I wasn't with you the whole time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You were never abandoned. So God draws your heart over nine weeks, and then the tenth week we have kind of a, a freedom weekend where we get away and have a time where um, just kind of let God do a final thing. So you want to just talk about kind of what happened that weekend and the turning point? Yeah, there's, there's a point during the freedom weekend where they have an invitation where you can write things down on an index card to give them up. Um, to give them to the Lord. And I really felt the Holy Spirit pushing me to get rid of the addiction. But even still, I was so ashamed I didn't want to write it on the card. And what you do is you take the card and you you bring it to one of the um, prayer warriors that they have there and they pray with you. And I was fortunate enough to 
to be led to a pastor of another church. I couldn't even speak. I was still so ashamed. And in that moment, I could feel the Holy Spirit refilling me. That was being freed. And then I spoke my addiction to him. I told him the struggle I've had since I was nine for 24 years. And all the shame and the guilt was released. Come on. I finally felt free. So you, you, you have this kind of real intimate encounter with the Lord in that, in that moment. <clears throat> You're feeling free. God has wiped you clean. No more shame. But now you've come to the realization, I, I have to go talk to my wife about this and come clean there. Right, yeah. I knew that I had to share with her what I'd been dealing with, but then also the freedom that I'm now experiencing, which I had been praying for for so long. And just to finally experience it, like it's overwhelming to finally have it. And so, obviously, at that point, I'm in a really good place. But I knew there was some pain that was about to be delivered. And so I was trying to be cautious of when that took place. And so that's not like I wanted to go tell her immediately while we're still at the conference. And I didn't want to tell her right after it was over and ruin any great experiences she had. So I was planning on telling her Sunday afternoon after church because this was a Saturday when we were driving home. And so uh, it didn't work out that way. <laughs> You had the conversation in the car yeah, on the way home. Because I like to talk about stuff, and I wanted to know how each session went. And so, We talked about all the sessions. We had a great talk, but we had not talked about that one. And she asked. So I was ready to share, and I said, okay, well, if you want to know, this, this, is, this is the truth. This is what happened. This is what I've been dealing with. This is what I've been dealing with for 24 years. So, Paige, when he tells you, what, what's your reaction? Um, I, wasn't ter- like, I wasn't taken completely off guard. I mean, I kind of had a feeling. I knew something wasn't right because he hadn't been seeking God. And I could just tell something was going on. But I was hurt because he had kept it from me and hid it from me. Um, and his emotional response to the whole situation wasn't what I expected <laughs> because he like bright eyed, like I'm free from this. And he felt bad that it hurt me, but he was still like, he was in the best place he had ever been. So I was like angry, but happy for him. And it was just a roller coaster over the next 48 hours because we didn't even finish talking that night. Like we had to wait till after church, after the kids went to bed. And then we finally sit down to talk about it again. And, um, but I could see he was like completely freed of the shame of it. I think that was the biggest thing is like being able to share everything with me. And um, 
I remember whenever we were talking, I just had to ask God, like, okay, how am I supposed to respond to this? Because I'm hurt and all my, you know, insecurities are amplified. I'm trying not to take it personal. And God just told me it's not personal. He's dealt with this since he was a kid. Just because you came into the picture doesn't mean that struggle's gone away. And so to not take it personal. And then um, I wanted to be a part of his healing. I didn't want to be someone who said things or had resentment towards him or brought it back up in a negative way. I wanted to make sure that we didn't leave any stone unturned, that we actually went through the healing together. So it was good. I mean, it hurt, but in the end it was good. Yeah. One of the things that you had said in the last service was that you didn't, you felt like you could have played the victim card, but you didn't play the victim card because you wanted to be a part of his healing. And what was that for you, Jonathan? Just even, even having a wife that was, okay with walking with you through that healing and I mean I'm sure that for you was icing on the cake oh man Uh, this woman is the biggest gift I've ever gotten from God and I guess I could have expected that from her because I already knew she was that great I'm not saying that for brownie points (laughs) no I'm, I'm, I'm serious I mean for having to struggle that long I, she could have gone the other way with it and I would have understood if she did and I would have worked with her through it um, because she'd be working with me through my issue, you know. But my emotions didn't want to go that way. I think God had prepared my heart in advance. I mean, I had to really pray and ask God how to handle it. Yeah. Because if I had followed my emotions, it wouldn't have been that, yeah. that way. So. so let's just talk about this in closing. What was the difference between the first time you came clean with her and then the second time you came clean? And how were those different? And then how did even being involved in church life and spiritual family, how does all that playing and kind of keeping the change now that you're experiencing it? Well, for me, I mean, the true confession has led to the full healing. And so complete honesty. Right. I mean, the first time I, I, I was still dealing with the shame of it, so I gave you just a little piece of this is the struggle, whereas this is like this is what I've been dealing with for my whole life, you know, and, and it's no longer about my willpower because I know I can't fix this. I'm broken. I have to refill the hole in my heart with the Holy Spirit Amen. daily. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> What would y'all say to other couples, singles that are walking through? And it, and it, it might be a different addiction. It might be something else that's secret that's a, that nobody else knows about. They come into church like you guys did for so long. And how's everything going? It's all good. But there's, they go home and they know. What do you say to that person? How do you, how do you speak to that? Um, well, one thing is I can't control his thoughts or anything like I have to trust that God is going to renew his mind. Yeah. Um, and any insecurities that I have to deal with, he gave me the permission to go and talk to Lindsay or whoever I need to talk to, to get that help that I need, because I'm dealing with like, he feels freed. He's great, but I still feel like I'm dealing with some of the, you know, consequences of it. So, um, to actually, get, you know, talk to others who have either walked through it or just can mm-hmm. encourage you. Um, but also even if you think that your husband wouldn't deal with that or whatever, 
give them the opportunity to share any of their struggles. Like he didn't feel like he could come to me and share that. He thought I would get mad, I would leave, or, you know, the enemy was just lying to and lying to him. So to give your husband the opportunity to share whatever struggles they're dealing with. That's good. That's good. J-Dom, anything? Yeah, I mean, I, from my own personal experience, keeping this in hidden is just keeping the door open for Satan to have his stronghold. And I'd say confession is what leads to the healing. Mm-hmm. Don't give him that foothold anymore. Don't let him keep thinking he has a room in your house. Mm-hmm. You know, get him out. Yeah. That's good. Come on, let's give it up for all these. Thank y'all. Thank y'all. Thank y'all. Thank y'all. Come on, will you stand? Give them one of Let's tell them. Love y'all. Love y'all. Love y'all. Thank y'all so much for sharing. You know, the, one of the things I was thinking of when they were talking about this was a phrase I've heard Pastor Jacob, I've heard Pastor Bubba share this before. You can sit down. Can sit down. And that is, <clears throat> you're only as sick as your secrets. Let that sink in for a minute. You're only as sick as your secrets. So we can live this, this life of everything's fine, everything's good, all's well. But there's these secret parts of our hearts, of our lives, of our marriages, of our families that we don't want anybody to know. And those are the areas that the enemy actually works his, works what he does in. And, and for these guys and ladies and for the stories that you've heard, you're going to notice this. And it, it was in Jason and Chastity's story and it was in Jonathan and Paige's story. It was in, it was in Shane and Jessica's story earlier is that when I brought to the light what was bound me for so long, it lost its power. Because as soon as it got out on the table, our marriage is not okay. Now, we can, we can go somewhere. Or I'm struggling with depression. Or I've, I thought about committing suicide. Or I have no hope. Or I mean, whatever that is, you fill in the blank. But once it's out there, we, we talked about this in the series forgiveness is between us and the Lord. So we ask God, God, would you forgive me? And by the way, he already does. He did that on the cross. He forgave you. But healing is between other people. The Bible says if we confess our sins one to another, if we confess our sins to God, that he would heal us, but that if we confess it to one another, we'll find healing. And, and, and if you hear anything from these stories, it's you can go to church for decades and still be bound. God's desire is that whom the Son sets free is free indeed, and that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And I believe there could be freedom, but you can also have the choice to stay bound for so long. And so in just a little bit, when we close this service, uh, I'm going to invite these couples as well as some of our other leaders to come up. And if you want to just get something off your chest, maybe it's a, a secret that nobody knows, this is a safe place for you to share that and for us to pray with you and pray for you. Because if you notice, none of these people's real change started until they said, okay, I got to do something different. I got I to gotta, I gotta step out and I got to do something. And you're going to find out that changed people change people and healed people heal people. It's the way that works. And God wants healing for you, for your, for your life, for your marriages. And so I want us just to bow our heads in this moment as we close this service. And let's just invite the Holy Spirit to do an honest assessment of where we are. Maybe while 
while, while they were sharing, God was speaking to you. The Holy Spirit was revealing areas of your heart, not, not to just expose those things, but to reveal it so he can heal it. And if you would be honest in here and say, you know what, Pastor Josh, there, there really is an area of my life. Maybe it is in, in your own heart. Maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe it's in your family. But there's some brokenness that's there, and I've, I've never admitted that. Today's the opportunity not to walk out of this place still holding on to that. If you'd say that, no, nobody looking around. But if you just raise your hand and say, Pastor Josh, would you just pray for me? Come on, hands going up all over this place. Pray for me. Come on, they're going up all over, all over. You can keep your hand up. Just keep it up right there where you are. Father, I pray right now, Lord, over every hand that's raised. God, representing a need, representing an issue, representing an, an area of their life that's not okay. God, we, we declare today in, in honesty and in humility, we need you. God, we need you. God, I pray, Lord, that you, through these people's stories, would release healing and hope and strength to those who feel like they want to quit, they want to get out, that they maybe want to take their own life, maybe they're done. But God, I pray that there would just be renewed strength and renewed hope. God, we repent of living our own lives, living our own way. And today we surrender to you. We give our lives to you. God, I pray this over your people today, God. In Jesus' mighty name.